They say that sometimes the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. There's some wisdom in that expression, but it's not always the case. Uh, There have been more than a few people who have said of me that I have fallen very far from the tree uh, that bore me. Uh, I'm not sure how accurate that is. I certainly don't have all the gifts and talents of my father, but I do bow before the same Lord. Well, I mention this because we come to now a part of the story of the life of Isaac. Isaac really doesn't get uh, a lot of uh, space in the book of Genesis, given the importance of the waiting for him that was such a part of Abraham's story. Uh, There's just a brief kind of uh, look, whereas Abraham, of course, gets a lot more uh, ink, and then Jacob and Esau get a lot more ink, and then on to Joseph. But when we do have uh, ink on Isaac, obviously we have him being uh, almost sacrificed on Mount Moriah, and he did very well. Uh, but this chapter, as we come now and turn our attention to Genesis chapter 26, we see Isaac doing not so well in some contexts, but doing quite well in others. Uh, What did he do wrong? Well, not surprisingly, uh, when famine came and uh, Isaac and Rebekah had to uh, travel and go to a a strange land, uh, Isaac was afraid that these foreigners might have uh, an undue interest in Rebekah and encourages her to lie and say that she is his sister. Well, haven't we heard that story before? This is now the third time that this has happened. And like the other two times, God uh, rescues not only the woman who would become essentially the mother of the nation of Israel, as first was Sarah and now is Rebekah, Uh, Not only is there that rescuing, but there is that increase in the wealth of Isaac. Now, we need to remember that Abraham was probably one of the wealthiest men in ancient antiquity. And as his uh, principal heir, uh, it's likely that Isaac would have been quite wealthy as well. However, uh, this chapter takes the time to affirm the increase in his wealth. Now, one thing I want us to notice is that this is not the fruit of Isaac being a sinless man. Just as we have emphasized over and again, as we've gone through this book, all of our heroes uh, have, as it were, feet of clay. That was true of Abraham. It's true of Isaac. We see it in this lie. But we also see the deliverance of God. We see God rescuing Uh, Isaac and Rebekah from Abimelech, rescuing Abimelech uh, again from doing something wrong and in so doing, rescuing uh, the whole of the Philistines, which is really where I'd like us to spend uh, our time and attention today in this chapter. Because we go rather swiftly from the uh, repeat, if you will, of the story of She's My Sister, Uh, to a uh, longer exposition on the relationship that Isaac has with his neighbors. 
You'll remember when we uh, looked at that chapter where Abraham buys a burial plot uh, for Sarah, that when they had that very strange uh, back and forth negotiation uh, where the locals didn't want Abraham to pay for any land but to receive it, you remember that we pointed out that not only had God uh, prospered Abraham, making him one of the most wealthy men of antiquity, but that he had also prospered Abraham's neighbors who were well aware of that reality. That's why they didn't want to take his money. Abraham, everything's been going well since you got here. We are uh, making money hand over fist. Your money's no good here. Well, we see here that first, as God prospers uh, Isaac, that there's a separation that I should, I think, uh, call to mind the account of Uh, Abraham and Lot and their servants uh, bickering with each other and the land not being big enough for all of them. And so uh, Abimelech asks Isaac to go his way. And Isaac does go his way and God prospers him. So how does Abimelech respond to that prospering? Well, he sends word to Isaac that he wants to reach an agreement with him. He wanted to uh, uh, have peace between them. Listen to what he says. This is after, by the way, the the rescue of Rebekah. Isaac said to the, uh, when Abimelech went to him from Gerar with Abuzath, sorry, that's Ahuzath, his advisor, and Phil Cole, the uh, commander of his army, Isaac said to them, why have you come to me seeing that you hate me and have sent me away from you? Look, just last, you know, just, you know, previous chapter, not even previous chapter, in previous verses, you were sending me away. Why are you now chasing after me? Isaac wants to know. Listen to what they said. They said, we see plainly that the Lord has been with you. So we said, let there be a sworn pact between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm, just as we have not touched you and have done to you nothing but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. I'm sorry that I don't remember whether I said this in a previous chapter or in a whole different context that you might not have heard. Uh, but I have suggested that there's there's a danger, while there's a lot of wisdom in it, there's a danger that can come when we read the Old Testament in light of the New. It is absolutely true, as Augustine said, that the New is in the Old concealed and the Old is in the New revealed. I'm not pushing back against that. I am pushing back against Uh, overdoing that reality. And one of the ways that we do that is we look at uh, the Pharisees in the gospel accounts as if, or even, even believers in one sense, as if they were accurately reflecting what God had commanded in the Old Covenant. Now, we know that they have, in many ways, diminished God's law. When Jesus gives his Sermon on the Mount, he says, look, it's not just 
uh, physical adultery you need to be worried about. You need to be worried about what's going on in your heart. It's not just uh, premeditated murder. It's also what's going on in your heart. Uh, This is not something new. This is something that was inherent from the beginning, that God's people were supposed to have in their mindset from the beginning. In the same way, the idea of, uh, well, the Pharisees not only reduced God's law, they also added to God's law. They added stuff they could do, or at least could pretend to do, that wasn't there. And it's not good for us to take their uh, additions to God's law and read God's law through those additions. Make sense? We need to be careful. And there's another way that I want, that's, I think, perfectly uh, important and apropos this particular text. And that's this. How God's people were to understand their relationship with those who were not in the covenant, with those who were Gentiles. Because we, when we come to the New Testament and we come to the gospel accounts, Uh, We've reached a place where it's not just a call to uh, separation in a context of holiness, uh, but it's become essentially racial, that the people of God wrongly are looking at those who are outside the kingdom as if they were less than, and as if the only point, the only purpose is to steer clear of them. But from the beginning, friends, it was not so. Going back to the promise to Abraham, what was that promise? It was land. It was children. Most importantly, I will be a God to you and to your children. But the promise was also all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. It is absolutely true that when God sent the children of Israel into the promised land, he commanded of them that they should wipe out every man, woman, and child in that land. I'm not disputing that at all. And they were to do that in part to help make sure that they would not uh, adopt the wicked ways of the Canaanites. No question about that. But the reason they were not to adopt those things was in part so that they would be a city set upon a hill. God promises when he gives the law to Moses, if you will keep this law, your country, this land would be so blessed, so prosperous, so wonderful. People from all over the world will come to you. I think I've said that the, the actual pinnacle, the high point of the Old Testament nation of Israel happened not during the reign of David, but during the reign of Solomon, when the Queen of Sheba came in fulfillment of that prophecy. Well, this is not the Queen of Sheba coming, but this is a fulfillment of that same prophecy, that prophecy that through Abraham, all the nations of the world would be blessed. The neighbors, if you will, the Philistines, the neighbors were watching. Have you thought about that? You know, there is a, uh, 
a, a really weak, uh, shallow, unhealthy, and phony version of this, where uh, Christians think that if they uh, paint a smile on their face and uh, and never uh, do anything wrong, that people will say, gee, I noticed something different about you. Tell me about it. And you can say, well, I've been waiting for you to ask. Let me tell you about Jesus. That's there. There's an unhealthy way to do that. But there's also a healthy way to do that. Let me give you an example. As I'm recording today, uh, we are uh, still very much in the midst of uh, the worldwide upset over the coronavirus. And one of the things that we know at this point is that the coronavirus is particularly deadly to the elderly. Well, we have uh, a woman who lives down the street from us, about five or six houses down, uh, who's an older woman and uh, who uh, is not a believer. But And she is essentially alone. She is married, but her husband is not well and he's in a nursing home. Well, my wife yesterday, as she was going out in search of toilet paper like everybody else on the planet, uh, took the time uh, to call this neighbor lady. And this neighbor lady knows very well that Lisa is a uh, Christ follower. Uh, she's, she's said it to her face. Uh, so she's very much aware of that. And she's been invited to come to the Bible studies that we host in our home. But Lisa called her and said to her, hey, look, we're going out. Uh, We're going to stop by the Walmart and hopefully get some toilet paper. Is there anything we can get for you? Knowing that it's less safe for this older woman to go out than it is for us. Now, why did Lisa do that? Lisa didn't do that to score points that she's now accumulating so that eventually she gets the opportunity to tell our neighbor about Jesus. Now, Lisa did this because this is what you're supposed to do. This is what we're we're supposed to bless our neighbors. Now, friends, I want, I, I believe we have a grossly insufficient sense in our day of what we call the antithesis of recognizing the radical difference between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent and that we are far too comfortable with the world. But that doesn't mean that we're doing what we should be for the world. We're supposed to serve and to love our enemies. We're supposed to walk the extra mile. We're supposed to bless those who curse us. And here, here, having humbly, gently, peacefully dealt with the tension between the Philistines and Isaac and his clan, they do come to him and they speak of God's blessing. We see plainly that the Lord has been with you. You are now the blessed of the Lord. That's a real blessing. The neighbors are blessed. There's water for everybody. There's a feast in this uh, 
covenant that's made. And everybody's happy. Isaac is in covenant with the living God. His neighbors are not, but they're certainly getting closer to the kingdom, aren't they? Because they recognize God's blessing on Isaac. Isaac is in this place of influence and uh, power because of the blessing that God has placed upon him. When he was frightened, when he was scared, bad things happened. But when God met with him, as he does multiple times in this chapter, when God meets with him and promises, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to be with you, I'm going to be with you. And he's filled with confidence. He's able to act honestly and to act humbly. And through this, people are drawn to him and to the God who blesses him. It's not complicated. It's not rocket science. But it is what we are called to We're supposed to love and to serve our neighbors. We're supposed to know that we're secure. We're supposed to know that God is with us. All of these promises that God has made to Isaac are true of us. I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring I will give all these lands, and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands. And in your offspring all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. That's the promise God made to Isaac, the child of Abraham. And friends, If we have faith, then we too are the children of Abraham. And these promises are for us. Let's be bold and strong and remember that the Lord our God is with us wherever we go. And that boldness and that strength doesn't mean violent attacks on those outside the kingdom. It means living lives of peace and obedience and honor and service to those who are outside, remembering that once such were we.